0: What got you there with got you got you What got you there with lady Got you there with the What got you there with Chandalane? Got you there got you there with the lady David Hoyt is a strategic advisor, communicator, leader, and guide. He's had the privilege of riding shotgun with John Maxwell for 19 years, serving as an inner circle member, running a significant portion of John's business interests, and most recently served as president of the John Maxwell Company. Today, David advises leaders on growing their organizations as well as guiding them to live lives of purpose, courage, and intention. He does this by advising and guiding people through strategy and growth consulting two-day life plan processes, and executive leadership and life coaching. Fasten your seatbelts for this inspiring episode of What Got You There? Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash What Got You There? Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm a huge fan of Audible and definitely recommend checking it out. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted a cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. Let's face it, we all want to look good in the clothes we wear, but I got tired of sifting through the racks looking for a quality pair of jeans that cost less than $300. Then I found Distilled. DSTLD, pronounced Distilled, offers premium denim and essentials at an affordable price. Their products cost just one third of what other premium brands charge because Distilled refuses to work with middlemen, bringing savings directly to you. Just go to DSTLD.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. David, thanks for joining us on What Got You There? How are you making out today? Doing awesome. Thank you, Sean. Really, really excited to be on with you. Yeah, no, we, uh, we're privileged to have you on today. You've, you've worked with some high-level people before, definitely changing some lives. But before we get into your backstory, how do you start your day?
1: So for me, I like to start my day with just some, some quiet, uh, solo thought time. Um, I'm a person of faith, so it includes some scripture reading, some prayer time. Uh, but the biggest thing, honestly, is just starting my day quietly I used to rush into my day, and it was just get up, get going, and get running. Uh, And I've learned uh, in recent years just the power of starting quietly and easing into the day um, at a place of centeredness, um, a place of perspective. And so I've got a a chair in my front room, um, our piano room up there, and uh, almost every morning uh, I start the morning in there with just some quiet solitude time before getting active and getting into my day.
0: Oh, that's great. When did you start this shift of really starting with some quiet time as opposed to jumping immediately into your work?
1: So at different stages of, of my life, I, I've practiced it. And then, you know, it's busyness and opportunity and a lot of things can creep in and get in get in the way. So it was uh, a year ago when I really recommitted uh, to that time. Um, and uh, not to say I've been perfect and there hasn't been a morning that I've missed, but it's been now a good, consistent year, um, uh, really revisiting that practice and, and now being consistent with it enough to truly see the value of it. And occasionally, if I have the miss, to feel it where it, it quickly gets me um, started uh, starting each morning in a time of quietness and of thought time and of reflection. So I would say consistently a year, but on and off, I've practiced it for many
0: years. Oh, no, that's great. Yeah, I even feel like my morning, my day, it's it's constantly evolving, constantly changing depending on what you have going on in your life. So that's cool to hear. So who is David Hoyt? For my listeners who don't know, you want to give a little background on yourself? Sure. I I
1: grew up in Michigan, uh, north of Detroit, a little town called Romeo. Uh, For those, and who knows how many people are familiar with Kid Rock, but the high school I went to. Uh, is the high school of Kid Rock, if you have any Kid Rock fans out there. Uh, I went to uh, college in uh, Virginia at a small uh, school, Liberty University, and then um, uh, been married for 21 years to my uh, wife, Lori. Uh, we grew up together, so have known each other, actually, if you can believe it or not, since elementary school days, and then uh, dated from uh, late high school days. I've got two kids, a daughter, Gracie, who's 15, and son, Andrew, who's 13. And um, from a passion perspective, if you you ask who I am, um, you know, the the way I like to describe it is helping people rise up to their full stature. And and really another way of saying that is helping them um, be who they are uniquely and designed to be. Uh, And key words for me in that is living lives of purpose of courage and intentionality. So opportunities that I get to work with people, whether one-on-one or in small group environments that, that help them discover at a greater level of who they are, what they're passionate about, to then leave, live lives of purpose, courage, and intentionality. That's what fires me up more than anything else.
0: Oh, that's great. So strategic advisor, communicator, leader, guide. Before you got to this, I want to go back to 2001. It seems like you had some defining moments in your life at that time. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, I'd love to, and and I'll share just a little bit um, even leading up to that so folks have got a perspective on um, what I had an opportunity to do and who I had an opportunity to work with. So in 1998, uh, I was just two years out of college, and uh, I had an opportunity to work with uh, leadership expert John Maxwell, and so moved from the Detroit area down to Atlanta to start with him and his organization. And uh, that's what I've been doing for the past almost 20 years now. And incredible ride, incredible journey, uh, learning from John personally, being part of the organization and all the work that we get to do with leaders and helping them in their development journey. And uh, so this was just three years into my time uh, with John's organization. Uh, I came across an audio lesson uh, by, it was uh, from a guy by the name of Todd Duncan. Todd, uh, still active today. Uh, his focus is mostly sales training, and his niches in the mortgage banking industry. And so anyway, this was back, Sean, this was before podcasts. This was before um, <laughs> MP3s. This was in the day of CDs. So I popped in the CD. I listened to it. It was called An Annual Review With You. And the whole premise of this lesson was taking an eight-hour day, getting away, and really reflecting on the past year and planning for the new year. And uh, I knew John Maxwell had a similar practice. And I thought, I'm going to do that. And so this was the week between Christmas and New Year's. And I got away for the day. I had Todd's notes from the lesson. I had the audio lesson. And I, I started going through. And every hour, he'd kind of give you questions to ask yourself, to do all this. Well, as I, I started, I realized it was all predicated on having a life plan. And at that time, I didn't have a life plan. I'd heard um, some folks talk about having a life plan. I probably had like a sample or, or somebody's that they had sent me. And so I, I audibled that day and I created uh, my very first version of a life plan. And here's what the big epiphany was for me, Sean, was up until that point, um, really my focus. I had two, two areas of life that, that I focused on and I had metrics around and were, were where I determined what success looked like for me. And it was career and it was financial. And uh, if things, um, if I could make progress in those areas, I was all in. Everything else was a secondary priority. It wasn't that nothing else mattered, but it was a clear second compared to my financial goals and my career goals. And as I took that day and as I thought more holistically about life and the future and who I wanted to be, um, my big epiphany was I want to be more than just my career and just hitting some financial goals. And so, That day, um, I mapped out 10 distinct areas in life that I wanted to focus on much more intentionally than I had up until that point. Now, career and financial were two of them, but now they were two of 10 versus the two primary ones. And that day was a game changer for me because now as I look back over the past 16 years, um, by no means have done it perfectly, but really feel like I've, I've been able to live much more intentionally in a number of domains in life versus putting all my eggs in the career and financial uh, bucket. And so that was a a game-changing day that led to uh, a true shift or a true turning point in my life of how I lived, how I prioritized, and then ultimately how I've worked to live intentionally uh, in uh, a number of different areas of my life.
0: I definitely want to dive deeper into the intentional living, but I'm curious. I mean, at that age, how do you even become – Um, the president of the John Maxwell Company. I mean, what unique skill sets does he see in you and and the other people in that organization to appoint you in a position like that at some point?
1: Yeah, so, and I wasn't, back in 01, I I wasn't the president. I was running um, uh, our events division and running um, sales and marketing. And and a lot of, uh, my focus over the years in John's organization has been whatever's new, whatever's next, Typically involved in helping launching it, and then I would hand it off to a, a group, or a person, or a team to keep running. And you know, I think um, there were a couple things because people have asked me uh, a lot. Because when I started with John's organization, it was just very entry-level position. Um, I was uh, inside sales on the phone promoting our live events, and um, was blessed to then just be given a lot of different opportunities and rise up throughout or through the organization. And um, I think a couple things was. One is I didn't aspire to get close to John. Um, when you work in a, uh, an organization that's founder led and um, uh, you have a thought leader or a guru is, is uh, the, the main asset of the organization. A lot of people come to work for the organization because they've been personally impacted by that person. They, they don't know the person personally, but everything they know about him, they, they love and they want to get close to him and they want to have a relationship with them. And what I uh, quickly learned uh, was it wasn't about trying to get close to John. It was trying to be the best I could be in my role. And in fact, like in the interview process, I never interviewed with John. I never met John. Um, It was the person who hired me that I thought, wow, I can learn a lot from this person. A couple years older than me, really sharp. And uh, it was that person that I wanted to build a relationship with and learn from And then simply by doing my job and doing it well over time, I began to get exposure to John. But I was in the organization six years before John invited me into what he calls his inner circle and where I really kind of rose up to a place of where I began to interact and work closely with John himself. So it was by no means an overnight um, accomplishment. And quite frankly, I think part of the reason it happened was it wasn't my big objective, um, I, I was grateful and honored when it happened, but it wasn't what I was trying to set out and accomplish. And I think oftentimes if we have a personal goal that we're trying to fulfill, um, that is more than simply just adding value. When we do that, uh, our, our motives may not be a hundred percent pure folks may pick up on that and it all, it can almost hold us back from accomplishing the thing we definitely want. If we can focus on doing our job incredibly well, doing it with the right motives, um, and just getting after it, I've found in my career those doors of opportunity will open up eventually. Now, I, I do a lot of work in mentoring of younger leaders. The thing I always share with them, it takes longer than you think and longer than you want it to, but when, when you're faithful, when you're consistent, when you get after it on a-, on a daily basis, those things will happen, whether the financial increases, the positional increases, but... You've got to be patient. And early in my career, I, I, I pressed for those things. I asked for those things. I, I, I wanted some of those things. And as time has gone by, uh, I've seen the value of just being patient and waiting and adding maximum value and knowing that ultimately those things will be um, given to you and you don't actually have to ask. And when you don't have to ask, typically they're, they're bigger, they're more generous, they're better. Than when you have to, to ask or press um, for those things. It almost seems counterintuitive. Um, and, and I had to learn, especially like some of the financial stuff, just through time and experience. But um, having done it both ways, I found um, the best way, at least the best way that's most true for me, is not to focus on it, knowing that it will happen eventually if I add enough value, if I'm consistent enough and good enough on a daily basis.
0: No, I love that approach. You kind of mentioned your direct reports and your managers. And instead of just thinking about, okay, who's my ultimate mentor, you're taking advantage of each person who's presented to you in your life. And I I think that's a great takeaway for any of the listeners. And and see who you're surrounded by currently and what you can learn from each of those people. Uh, I mean, is that something you're still continuing to do today? So
1: one of my great passions is mentoring, uh, having mentors, um, also being a mentor, pouring into others. And you know, when I look at the gifts I've been given, given or the blessings that I have, I truly feel like as I look back on the past 20 years and the the network of incredible people I've been blessed with here in Atlanta and, and around the country, it is um, the caliber of mentors that I've had from from John himself uh, to a number of others. Um, for me, um, it's typically men um, 10 to 15 years further down the road and um uh, you know, my my approach to mentoring has been to always make it easy on the mentor, meaning I'll be the one who comes prepared with the agenda. I'll pre- be prepared with with questions so they don't have to prepare. They don't have to carry the conversation. Um, I'm, I'm ready to go. I know what I'm trying to accomplish and um, come prepared for it. Uh, I try not to overburden them. So, you know, for me, with my mentors, it's not a weekly, monthly. It's, you know, two or three times a year. But, man, I work to maximize those two or three formal times a year that I get with them. And then the other thing for me around mentoring is uh, it's topically based, meaning when I'm thinking about where am I looking for mentoring and when I'm looking at someone to be a mentor, I'm not trying to get them to mentor me in every facet of life. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. We all have our things that we do exceptionally well in areas where we struggle. And so I don't think that there's a one person fits all as a mentor out there. Um, I know there's an area in my life I'm trying to work on and grow on. There's a person that does that exceptionally well, and I'll lean into them as a mentor in that area for a defined period of time, too. Because if when I'm approaching them, I don't want them to feel like this is a lifelong commitment. I think that can scare any of us off. I'll say, hey, can we over the next year have lunch two or three times? I'll initiate. I'll reach out. I'll bring the agenda. I'm looking to grow in this area, and I'd love to just pick your brain for 60 to 90 minutes. Um, a couple times throughout this the year around this subject. So it's as simple and as easy as that, but um, I can't tell you the growth I've experienced um, as a result of the mentors I've had.
0: Well, I love how methodical you are there in terms of the preparation. Most people, when they want access to a certain mentor, it seems like they just, hey, can I take you out for coffee? And then they expect the mentor to deliver everything to them where you sit back and you say, okay, I'm going to make this as easy as them as possible. And I, I love that approach. And I think that goes such a long way. When, when you're interested in finding a new mentor, what are you looking for today? Obviously, you've accomplished a lot in your life. So what are you challenging yourself with now? So
1: um, for me, very, very specifically, um, I'm stepping into a, a new journey um, in the past year, uh, beginning to do consulting work. So I've run organizations, I've, I've led had the privilege of leading uh, John's organization as the business leader. Now I'm stepping in uh, as a consultant, uh, working with other leaders. And so I have a mentor right now who's been uh, an incredible consultant for the past 14 years. And so uh, our conversations are around consulting, adding value uh, in that kind of a role. So that's, that's one area. And then secondly, um, I have, for me, being a person of faith, A couple spiritual mentors, um, and uh, it's leaning into them just around uh, their spiritual journey and and then specifically my spiritual journey. Um, So for me, right now, those are a couple things, but over the years, you know, it's been leadership Um, generally, it's been specific, you know, it's been how to bring about change in an organization. Um, A lot of it's been around personal growth. Uh, We've had marriage mentors. So different seasons, it's it's really, for me, you know, it's asking the question, what's important now? And I typically like to ask that question and think in the next three to nine months, if I only grew in one area, what is the area I most need to grow in? And sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's professional. You know, I don't skew one way or another. Or I am um, systematic in a lot of things. But, you know, that question is not systematic. It's just looking internally and saying, what is my... My, my biggest desire, my biggest need for growth in this next season and typically asking that in a three to nine month uh, window.
0: You mentioned patience and, and I feel like patience is one of the things I struggle with most. A lot of young entrepreneurs I think do. How do you develop the ability to be more patient in your life and, and when did you see that shift occur for you?
1: So I'm going to tell you a funny story, Sean, and I don't know if I'm the best guy to ask this question. Um, so uh, going back to mentors. I had a mentor, um, and this was about a year and a half ago, um, share with me a practice that he does. And um, he takes one of the, the fruits of the Spirit, and he makes that his focus for the year. So last year, my, my word was peace. This year, as I was ending last year and beginning this one, I asked each of my family members. Um, so my wife, my daughter, my son, I said, hey, boom, here's, here's kind of the attributes. If there was one you wanted me to focus on um, in, in just growing and being better at this year. What one would it be? Three for three, Sean, was patience. Um, so I <laughs> there there are there are parts of life, very small parts where I think I've learned to develop patience. And some of that I shared earlier in terms of letting um, benefits or or um, you know financial rewards unfold over time, but there are a lot of areas where I have not mastered patience, and so that that's my word for the year. That's where I'm most trying um, to grow uh, right now. So a couple things um, that I'm focusing on, once again, by no means uh, saying I've mastered, but I'm I'm aware of, I'm cognizant of, is when I feel myself um, becoming impatient. Um, asking myself the question is why? What is causing this sense of frustration? What is causing this sense of impatience? And very self-convicting almost every single time. for me, I'm not saying this about you or others, but for me, as I ask that question, I realize it's coming out of um, some selfishness. Like I-, I want something for me now. I don't want to have to wait on this other person um, for the sake of my convenience. And so for me, it's been very convicting um and there's been times that that i can um, <laughs> kind of get control and and relax and and step back and just you know breathe a little bit and and get more, uh, hopefully a little bit more patient and then some, there's some times where you know that that sense rises up and and i'm not necessarily the best version of me but it's it's being aware for me um of when i'm feeling impatient and then asking the question why and when I ask the question why, it almost always leads back to it's a virtue that I'm not particularly <laughs> proud of for myself, um, and it's it's getting perspective on that, and then realizing, hey, I'm I'm not the most important person in the world. I can exercise a little patience. It won't it won't challenge me or it won't cause me harm um, to wait. Um, so, and, and a lot of times for me, it's with family. Unfortunately, and once again, I'm not proud of it. Where do I oftentimes have the greatest impatience? It's with family. And when I, when I asked the reason why I realized, well, I'm kind of prioritizing my time or my
0: importance over them. And and that's not who I want to be or what I want to be known for. I mean, you mentioned family there. I'm wondering, I mean, you've got such great perspective in in terms of business and life. When you hear or see certain family members, maybe conducting their business in a certain way or, or not challenging themselves, what comes to mind? And then how do you practice patience in terms of letting them find their own way?
1: Yeah. So it, with my kids at their age and stage, typically when I'm talking patients, it's not around business things. It's really around personal things. And so something that I do when I realize, hey, they're, they're not ready, I'm going to have to wait on them, is, okay, what can I do with these two minutes or five minutes where I feel like I'm, quote, wasting time, where, where I'm not wasting time? And if it's um, having something available to read, um, that's one of the things that, that I found with those down moments, down times Same, the advice came from a mentor, uh, as well, Of uh, is always have something that, that you can read. You never know when you're going to have an unexpected wait. Um, don't be caught with nothing to do. And then the biggest thing, um, that I, I've been working on, and this was one of my themes for last year that, um, carries over and is a constant part of my life now is reflection time. Um, I realized, and this was part of my 2016 uh, growth journey, was I realized I'm a forward thinker. I'm a planner. And even going back to my uh, life plan experience, so much of that was thinking forward of what I want and who I want to be. Very little, little of it back in 2001 was looking inward uh, and looking backward on my story to gain perspective. And the thing that I learned more than any other lesson last year was the power of perspective and the power of looking backward and looking inward before looking forward. And so, um, and it goes back to what we talked about the very beginning of the call, how I start my my mornings. I started in, um, thoughtful reflection, reflection, reflection on what happened the past day, what lessons learned, what did I do well? Where did I mess up that maybe I need to make something right? And so even in those those moments where you know I've got a couple moments and it's so easy to go on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and just kind of piddle the time away. And I'm not saying I don't ever do those things and those things are bad. But what, I'm, what I am continually working to get better at is doing um, self-reflection, inner reflection, and take those moments during the day um, when I realize I've got two minutes or five minutes um, just to pause and ask myself, uh, myself a couple questions um, to gain perspective on what's going on, how am I feeling, how have I reacted, have I added value to anyone
0: today, have I unintentionally wronged anyone today, some, some basic things like that that just work for me. Today, what got you there is being fueled by Soneva Super Coffee. Soneva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all-day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Are you looking to finish the latest thriller, such as The Girl on the Train, while you're at the gym or in the car? Well, now you can. For listeners of What Got You There podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check this out. Head over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there to choose from over 180,000 titles to select the book you want to hear next. Distilled utilizes the same fabrics, factories, and washhouses as the best known brands and designers while skipping the markups and middlemen. The result, top quality denim without the retail runaround. Just go to dstld.com and see where minimalist design meets maximum comfort. They have a 100% fit guarantee offering free shipping and returns until you find the perfect pair. Inspired by the creative class, Distilled is the perfect brand for those who have other things to think about besides getting dressed. You'll look good no matter what with Distilled. Distilled has been featured in Forbes, Time, and TechCrunch, as well as on denim-clad celebrities in GQ and Men's Health. You can find the brand's amazing selection of outwear, leather jackets, t-shirts, and more using the same principles of high-grade materials at low-end cost. Distilled is your answer to elevated style without elevated prices. Just go to DSTLD.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. I love the, your ability to look inside, looking deep. I'm curious, what about self-doubt? Uh, any self-doubt you occurred along the way, and then are you feeling any today?
1: So absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think for... Um, I dare say all of us, and I believe that. I think all of us wrestle with um, self-doubt and insecurity. I, I do a lot of work um, specifically with men, uh, men in my stage of life, men midlife, a lot of guys, 35 to 50. And you know, and nobody wants to talk about it. it it's a very unsexy um, thing to just open up and say, man, I wrestle with insecurity and self-doubt, but there's not a guy that... Um, I've gotten to know that's been willing to be authentic and real and vulnerable and kind of um, take off the mask and and lay down the sword and shield for a moment that doesn't wrestle with um, insecurity and self-doubt. I mean, I just think that's part of who we all are. And then it's how we work to overcome it. And when I say overcome it, in my opinion, and and maybe there's some folks that truly have have gotten to the point that they don't wrestle at all, I, I can say that's not me and my journey, I I mean, that's still a constant um, wrestling or battling. Um, But for me, it goes back to identity. At our core, who do we believe we are? Why do we, and I think a lot of it goes back to purpose as well. Why do we think we've been placed on this planet? And who do we, who are we at our core? Um, And so many people, I think, focus on accomplishment and achievement. And when that is at the core of who you are, We can never accomplish enough and we can never achieve enough to be unconditionally loved and accepted. It's impossible. Um, And I believe when we wrestle with self-doubt, when we wrestle with insecurity, at our core, we're all looking for unconditional love and acceptance. And until we can get to the point that we unconditionally love and accept ourselves, just as we are, warts and all, I think we're always going to wrestle with that, and so for me, it's an ongoing journey. It's part of my, so part of my inner life is being aware of that um, and realizing I, I'm not going to find fulfillment, I'm not going to find love and acceptance in my achievement or accomplishment. I personally believe that I'm I'm fully loved, fully accepted, just as I am, um, even with my imperfection. So that's some very self belief there, and I think everybody has to have their own journey of discovering what that looks like for them. But to me, it's going back to your core identity. Who are you at your core? And the more we can understand that, the more that we can accept that, I think it becomes easier to overcome um, self-doubt and insecurity, but in my opinion, or at least with my place in the journey, it's not something that I've fully mastered, fully conquered, and I quite frankly, don't think I ever will, but it's being aware of it and working to minimize those, those negative emotions.
0: Yeah, it's all part of the journey. And I mean, you mentioned being vulnerable. I'll be a little vulnerable. I feel like for myself and then also a lot of people my age we're always looking at what's next and, and feeling unfulfilled. Maybe we reach a certain goal and automatically we're thinking what's next. And I'm constantly doing that. How do I deal with that? How do I correct that? How do I appreciate the moment?
1: I think that's a natural feeling. And I know I've wrestled with that in a big way for many, many years. I think so. And there's some healthy parts to that too. You know, I mean, when do we change? Um, it's when there's some degree of discontent of where we're at today. But here's the big thing, and this is what I have had. Before. I used to be so forward thinking. I didn't aff- fully appreciate the moment or where I was at today. I was always on to the next goal. So whatever accomplishment I had, there was very short-term gratification, and then there was that rising feeling of discontent of here's what I want to accomplish next. And I realized I'm never going to get to Relive this day, this year, this week, whatever. And if I'm always focused on what's next, I'm missing the the life in front of me right now, or I'm not fully appreciating um, the life in front of me right now. So for me, it was that shift in perspective. Uh, I'm never going to get to relive, you know, being 27 or 29 or 31 or you know whatever age. I better figure out to the best of my ability how do I maximize. This day, this week, this month, this year, how do I fully appreciate it? How do I stay in the moment? How do I, I, I'm very much believe in forward thinking and planning for the future. Um, uh, So I think those are great attributes, but not at the expense of minimizing today or not valuing today. And so for me, here's where the shift was. I put so much more weight on thinking about the future and what I wanted to accomplish down the road and minimize today. And it was shifting it greatly back to how do I maximize today? How do I enjoy today? Um, And thinking a little bit about the future in mind, but focusing much more about today. One is becoming better myself. Two is um, maximizing the value I can bring to others. And three is just finding joy and fulfillment in whatever's happening today, whether it's something that's uh, seems like a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to it. If it's one of those more mundane days. Like I'll never get today back. So still, how do I find joy and fulfillment in my daily routine?
0: Oh, that's an awesome perspective. And I'm also curious, what about the people who are stuck? So I had a call yesterday with Brian Lisher, and he, he was uh, named the number one branding expert to look out for in 2017. And he talked about early on his journey where he was unfulfilled in his life, and he basically walks away from everything and then ends up taking a year off and skiing. What do you say to someone who's that stuck with what they're doing? Maybe they're unfulfilled. How do they tap into their their core beliefs and really going after their dreams?
1: So for me, it, it comes back to finding your unique purpose and your unique purpose. Like, how do you discover that? I, I believe our unique purpose is at the intersection of our core talents. And I, I also believe all of us are uh, born with inherently wired with three to five core talents, just things that we are exceptionally good at. And um, uh, I believe they're God given, quite frankly, um, the other part of that intersection is our heart, meaning what are we passionate about it? What makes us fully come alive inside or what, what breaks our heart um, if it's a tragedy in the world? And when we can find the intersection of our core talents and then where our heart is directing us, I think that is the key to discovering our unique purpose in life. And to me, as I've, uh, as I've met with a lot of leaders Um, and studied people, I think the people who are most fulfilled have, number one, they've discovered that unique purpose. And then secondly, they're working to live it out in the most intentional way possible. So if somebody's listening to this and, and feels stuck and feels unfulfilled, what I would encourage them to do is to lean into that, is to really begin to do some reflection and think about what are my core talents and not just it's, you don't only have to do self-reflection, have some conversations with the people that, that know you best. They'll be able to help speak into that. And then also ask yourself, when I look at the world or when I look at the community or I look around me, what, what makes my heart come alive? What am I passionate about? And if you can find those intersections, I think you'll discover your core purpose. And then the final thing I would say, and this is where I think so many people get hung up, they actually kind of know those things. But it feels so disconnected to their reality today. They have no plan or pathway to figure out how to live it out. And so part of the discontentment is they know what they wish that they could do. They have all these obligations over here and it feels impossible to get to the life of their dreams or the life that they really want to live. And therefore they don't take action because they can't figure out how to get started. And my encouragement to people is, You don't have to have the whole plan and pathway figured out. In fact, I think the way life works, we never have the whole plan and pathway figured out. And even if we thought we had it figured out, I can guarantee it it will be wrong and it won't be the journey that you expected. And what I found in my life, all I have to do is to start taking baby steps toward the area that I feel like I'm being called to. And as I begin to take a step or a couple steps in that direction, all of a sudden doors of opportunity begin to open up that won't open up unless I begin to walk toward that direction with some degree of faith or um, overcoming the fear of walking toward uncertainty. And that's where I think way too many people get stuck. They've got some dreams. They've got some passion. They even have some understanding of the core talents. They just don't know how to get there. Therefore, they take no action. Therefore,
0: they make no progress. No, I, I love that approach of, of the baby steps. I think so many people think they need to completely jump off the cliff, where you step back and really dissect and say, okay, what little things can I do to get to that next step? And you kind of mentioned those three to five talents. What do you think your three to five talents are that you might be better than anyone else at?
1: Yeah, so so for me, um, one is around connecting people. Um, I'm a natural connector. One of the things that that makes me come alive is when I can – when I know two people in, in my world that um, when I realize that, man, if they meet, if they have a conversation, it will mutually add value to each other. And uh, I'm blessed with uh, what I think is a pretty incredible network of folks. So one is just being a connector of leaders um, for the sake of them mutually benefiting from uh, each other. Um, another one is um, sensing and seizing opportunity. Um I just have kind of an innate ability to see opportunities for, for growth or for business and to sense it and then be able to figure out how to put together a deal or put together uh, a way to take advantage of that opportunity. And then the third is around trading experiences. Um, I've run events for many, many years um, and just have an innate uh, talent in being able to create great high-level, impactful experiences um, that, um, that, that cause people to grow, be better, have epiphanies about themselves or their teams or organizations. So those would, would be,
0: uh, from my perspective, probably my top three. You mentioned you're a great connector. Who would you like to be connected with? Who do you think you could have a tremendous impact in their lives?
1: Well, that's a good question, Sean. Um I'm going to answer it two ways. Uh, I'm gonna, so I'm going to first answer it of, hey, who have I not met that I would love to meet out of just pure passion and stuff? Um, so I'm, I'm a, a big uh, Michigan State fan, Michigan State University. Um, somebody that I would love to get connected to someday down the road out of just fascination of who he is and his ability to lead and get results is uh, Tom Izzo, who's mm-hmm. the head basketball coach there. Um, and then you asked me who do I, um, to be connected to, to make an impact. Um, the people that I most enjoy working with are leaders, typically leaders of organizations. So either they founded it or they're the CEO. And what I find is oftentimes leaders don't have safe places to turn. Um, they have all the same struggles um, they're people, too. So, you know, the struggle that, that any of us face, they're facing. But when you the higher you rise up in an organization, um, the harder it is that people can necessarily relate or you feel like you have to have the answers together, your act together. And so um, who I feel like I can help and who I love to work with are senior level leaders, both personally in the struggles and challenges they face as well as then in leading their organizations, creating cohesive leadership teams, um, those kind of things. And um, I think my journey has prepared me to do that, just have an opportunity to lead the highest levels, is now to come alongside other leaders and be a confidant, be an advisor for them in their personal and professional journeys, is
0: um, what I'm alive and, and where I feel like I can add the most value. Oh, that's great. And you mentioned Tom Izzo. I mean, he's an unbelievable mentor, motivator. Uh, I'm a UNC grad, so obviously not rooting for him on the court. But what he's done with his players is incredible. I'm curious. I mean, you're such a high-level coach. You sit down with someone like that. What are you trying to learn from him?
1: So, you know, I would bring my same approach to any other mentor. I I would give it a tremendous amount of um, pre-thought. And it would be around his coaching methodology, um, how he motivates people. Um, and, you know, as I look at his style, he's, he's fiery. He's way more fiery th- than I am. At times I wish I had the ability to be as fiery uh, as he does. But I see this incredible love he has for players. At the same standpoint, you talk about holding accountable, man, he'll get in the guy's face and just. <laughs> he certainly will. And how he balances those two things, meaning I think it's part of his secret sauce as a leader. Too many times, I I, um, I think I shy away from the, the the strong accountability conversation. So when I evaluate myself as a leader, you know, one of the areas that I've i struggled in, it's not easy for me is holding people accountable. I, I look at him, and, and my perception, is he does an amazing job of holding people accountable. And so I would, in that conversation, really kind of lean into that, like how does he? mentally, emotionally prepare himself to hold people accountable at that level? And then how does he balance care and candor? Um, you know, some, some things like that. But I would put in a lot of prep before a conversation like that, but knowing what he does well and what I don't, I think that's where I
0: would lean in the most. Oh, very cool. And you mentioned events as well and, and you guys putting on incredible events. What does it take to put on a great event that really makes people experience something special?
1: So I think there's a couple key ingredients. I think number one, it's really knowing your audience first. Um, It's who are you serving? Uh, Because folks are looking for different things or have different learning styles. And so, you know, when you talk about creating a great experience for people, it's not, hey, it's always looks one way or another. I think it's first knowing who you're serving, knowing um, what is going to be meaningful and speak to them. I think the second thing is it, it's in the details. It's in the little things. Um, I see with so many events, it's like, hey, we, we, we did the basics. We did what we need, needed to do to execute. But where I've seen the greatest impact is in doing the things that nobody expected. Um, and what they know when you do that is how much attention to detail, how much thought, how much planning, how much care you've put into it um, that speaks to them far more than the act is they know you've brought your passion, you've brought your very best to it because that's the only reason you would have thought to whatever that thing is. So it, it, to me, it's both hand. It's, it's knowing your audience and then doing the, the wow factors, doing the little things that you sure didn't have to do and doing the things that no one no one expected is what makes an over-the-top, in a positive way, experience for people.
0: It seems like a reoccurring theme here is really knowing who you're serving, knowing your audience. You talk about mentors and the preparation you put into that. Same thing with your events. So I think that's a key takeaway for the listeners. I'm also curious, what are your goals looking like? I know you have a long-term approach at all times. What's the next 10 years look like for you?
1: So for me, the the recent journey has been from um, leading organizations myself to now doing the work with leaders myself. And so there's two primary things that I do. Um, One is I work with individuals on discovering core purpose uh, in life um, and things we've been talking about around talents and heart and and creating a a life plan, creating a strategic operating plan for their life. So in terms of some, as I evaluate, am I living out my purpose? Am I doing the things that I want to do? Every month, um, I look to take uh, a senior level leader through this two-day life plan experience. Um, and what makes me come alive as I think about that is two days with a senior level leader. If I can help them get perspective on their life and create an operating plan for their life for the next 30 to 40 years, where they go from maybe living kind of haphazardly or scattered or lack of purpose, if in two days we can get perspective on their life, help them uh, uncover that purpose and then begin to live it out in an intentional way, the unbelievable impact it can have not only on their own life, but in the life of people that they lead fires me up. And then the other work I'm doing now uh, is with executive teams and it's around organizational health. Uh, I recently transitioned from the Maxwell organization to the table group uh, led by Patrick Lencioni. And um, so working with executive teams around how, to, how, how, how do they uh, practice health. Um, so how do they uh, become cohesive as a team? Uh, how do they get clarity on what's important as an organization? Issues are like that. And that makes me come alive because, man, there's way too many organizations that have bad culture. People don't look forward to coming to work. And I believe work should be fun. I believe we should get fired up on Sunday nights thinking about Monday and the week ahead. And if I can work with um, leadership teams, I'm creating that kind of environment for their people. Um, that, that fires me up. So it's a goal to work with organizations large and small around creating uh, healthy, um, great cultures.
0: I think we need more people like you in the world helping create that culture because too many people now, you mentioned Sunday nights and thinking about work, and it's a daunting thought that they have to head into work the next day where it should be the complete opposite. And you mentioned the two-day life plan. for For the listeners who might want to embark on a journey like that with you what does that look like is that an in-person thing you're doing over these two days is that over the phone any more details you have on that
1: sure yeah so it's in person Uh, i live uh, in the metro atlanta area i actually do it out of my home office got a nice basement set up and we take two days we do it here um and it's just it's a deep dive into their life one um by the end (laughs) i tell them in, in or i know it's an audio only call but um you know, around literally 360 degrees of my office will be flip chart paper, about 25 pages. And it's the story of their life. It's them. And, you know, we start with blank walls. We go home with the story of their life and their core talent, their purpose and their vision, all those things in the end of two days. And so it's about a day and a half in getting perspective. And this is a big thing to, to, to now is the importance of figuring out our future is getting perspective on uh, our past our stories and then our, our strengths and our challenges and things we've had to overcome in life. So it's about a day and a half of getting perspective, and then it's about a half day of actually creating the plan for them going
0: forward. Oh, that's great. I, I hope at some point I can take you up on, a, on that two-day course because I really think that could have a tremendous impact on myself. So just a few more quick hit questions before we get you out of here today. What are you most passionate about in your life right now?
1: So for me, uh, it, it would really be three things. It, um, being a person of faith, it's, it's um, just my relationship with the Lord and, and um, being connected with Him and looking to live out my purpose. Um, secondly, it's my family. Um, I think the greatest blessing I've been given uh, is my family, and I love experiences. So we talked about experiences, have experiences with them, creating memories, with them doing things together. Um, and then
0: third is the, the work I'm doing with individuals um, and with teams. Faith, family, and work. Three great things to have in your life right there. What's an idea you've had over the past year that's changed based on new research?
1: That's a good question. I think, I think for me, when I look at how I'm different today than a year ago, um, it's really around this, the importance of reflection and perspective. Um, Would be the biggest thing, because, yeah, prior to that, it was it was a lot of uh, forward thinking and not enough inner and uh, inner thinking. And so I think that's been the biggest shift for me. And it wasn't research based. It was more personal experience based that brought me to that epiphany. But it's been the biggest transformation in my life. uh, looking
0: back last 12 to 18 months. Oh, David, that's awesome. I mean, this this call, I've got a page full of notes here. Unbelievable takeaways provided by you. I can't thank you enough for that. For my listeners who want to stay connected with you and find out more things you're doing and hopefully embark on one of these two-day life plans, how do they do that?
1: Yeah, my website is davidshoit.com. David S. Hoyt. Uh, Hoyt is H-O-Y-T dot com. And uh, I'll give email here real quick as well. It's just
0: dhoyt.com at davidashoyt.com. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to get all that linked up in the show notes. But once again, David, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to following you on your journey. Absolutely. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it very much. What got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There? If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There? Head over to WhatGotYouThere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.